Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. And we're into extra time! Kia ora and welcome to this week's edition of Extra Time. I'm Clay Wilson. I'm joined by my colleague here at RNZ Sport, Ravinda Hunia, and freelance broadcaster, Tars Yeramia. It's been a big week for off-court and off-field news in both netball and rugby this week. The naming of the Silver Fern squad for the looming World Cup created plenty of debate among Kiwi netball fans in the lead-up to this week's announcement. Coach Nolene Todua has picked a squad laden with experience, but also including five World Cup debutants. So do the 12 selected players have what it takes to go to England and redeem the Ferns after the disaster that was last year's Commonwealth Games? The debate surrounding the Crusaders has been of an entirely different kind, with allegations of inappropriate player conduct swirling ahead of their derby clash against the Blues. The Crusaders and New Zealand Rugby have engaged an independent investigator to look at the two separate incidents, but the players at the centre of the situations will both continue to play. Let's start with the netball, and I'll come to you first, Ravinder, on this. Um, you've travelled down to the Deep South for the announcement, and firstly, congratulations on surviving the cold. Um, <laughs> what have you been your impressions of the 12 players who have been chosen, particularly the experience that Nolene Toto has gone for here? Yeah, like you say, the experience is the, the main thing that stands out. You can see that Nolene wants the side to lead, particularly in the defensive end. You've got four ANZ Premiership captains in that defensive end. You've got Maria Falau in the shooting circle and, of course, Laura Langman in the middle. So leadership is a biggie. With leadership comes communication. So while you did mention that there are players that haven't played in a World Cup before they have been in the Silver Ferns. There is no player in the squad that haven't worn the black dress before. So again, experience, communication, leadership is key here. Tash, what did you make of the squad? Is there anything Ravinda touched on there that resonated with you when you saw the team? Um, I think that it's pretty cool that Nolene stood by her word. She said that she was going for fitness when she first um, took on the role, and she stood by that here. There's a couple of um, people that did miss out on the team, but like she said, they just weren't up to it fitness-wise. Um, the thing that I was interested in really was you were down there, Ravinda, for the announcement of the team. And these are the 12 women that are going to go to Liverpool in 50 days, carry the weight of New Zealand on their shoulders. And just the announcement of the team, I thought that there should have been like a backing track or something, you know, like to get us hyped up a little bit I here. 100% agree with you there, Tash. I was I was actually not really disappointed. The, the venue and location was beautiful, but I agree it should have been made into a bigger deal, I thought. Yeah. I, know, I had the tiger or something playing in the background. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they love that down in the deep south. <laughs> what, do we know why it was it done down there, Ravinda? Well, apparently there was a Sky crew down here to film the basketball, uh, I think an hour after that announcement. They had been there the night before with the Stars and the Steel game. So apparently it was because there was a crew down here. But to my understanding, um, by the Steel players, which there were only three, um, everyone rushed down here to make that announcement and that um, that call time. Um, and, of course, we had Nolene Thodua and the Aussie contingent who were not present. 
So I want to touch on first the four returning players um, and particularly start with um, Katrina Rore. Ravinda, you spoke to Katrina yesterday. Um, really redemption for her after what was a pretty tough sort of 18 months, two years for her. Yeah, most definitely. And the one thing that really stood out in her comments was that she wouldn't be the person, leader or player that she is today had Nolene Thodua not left her out uh, in the last series. So for her, um, she's really learned a lot about herself on and off the court, she says, and um, absolutely elated with, with the news. And while she was kind of, you know, earmarked to be in there, there was a bit of, you know, a cloud of doubt because she had missed out the last time. So nothing was ever sure. But, um, yeah, the, the combinations will be interesting, though. Um, she's had a great season, but that's with the backing of Sulu Fitzpatrick in the pulse. And she hasn't really been tested against the best shooters in the competition because those shooters, in my opinion, are in her team. So it will be very interesting. Tasha, a lot of people happy to see Katrina back in the team. Are you one of those? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's just really inspirational of her because, you know, she you could see how distraught she was when she was left out of the team. And you, you, she had two choices. She could either work hard and try and make it back in or just say, hey, I was a silver fern once and, and that's it. Now, like, I'm just going to play netball now. Um, but she, she chose the, the first option. And just her comments after that, when she did say, you know, when when you've been in a certain place and then you're left out of there, you appreciate it so much more when you're brought back into the fold. So um, I look forward to seeing how she goes in this in, in this World Cup and the combinations as well. Looking at someone who's going to be alongside her in that defensive group, Phoenix Kataka, she's obviously fought off some pretty tough competition to make it into that um, defensive four they've picked. Ravinda, um, Phoenix sounded surprised that she was included. Were you surprised to see her there? I was and I wasn't. And that's only because New Zealand are very rich in defenders. So, you know, you couldn't really... That was the, the side that I found hardest to try and predict. But um, her becoming captain of the Mystics really did um, change her way of um, approaching games and approaching teams and showing real leadership on the court. So I think that kind of gave her the edge, especially against her own teammates, Edina Mikairi and Michaela Sokolic-Betson, who I thought for all money, MSB would be in there. But, you know, who knows? And I think Phoenix Karaka would complement Katrina Rori pretty well as well. Um, it's not... Uh, it's not very common to be strong and, um, you know, to stay under the hoop all that time and be as athletic and mobile as Phoenix Karakura. So that's what she brings. And Nolan Totoa is asking for creativity, and she is definitely a player that can do that. Speaking of athletic, Tash, Bailey Mez back into the fold. Um, she's beat out Maya Wilson, and of course we had Alia Dunn from the Pulse, and she's missed out. You touched on the fitness standards there earlier. Um, having Bailey Mez back in this team, what do you think she's going to bring, and why do you think they've, they've gone for her? I think she's quite versatile, and also her fitness as well. And, and Nolene had, had mentioned that, and she was saying, I know what her shooting percentages are like. I know all of that. And she was just saying, I just need to take a, a bet on myself, trust myself and, and my own instincts, and also put a little trust in Bailey as well. Shannon Saunders, Ravinda, the other player, versatile as well, um, ability to cover that wing attack position, but also obviously plays centre, so um, she deserves her place back in the squad, you think? I think so. I think her alongside Gina Crampton and Tepaya Salbi Ricker is an exciting combination. Another thing Nolien Todor always talks about is when you get ball in hand, keeping that ball in hand and safely passing it off again. Now, the steel midcourt, 
their error rates are so low, I think the lowest of the competition. So to have Shannon in there is not only a safeguard, but her speed and agility through the midcourt is outstanding. And I I also thought that we would see Whitney Soonest from the pulse in the midcourt. But I think um, the security of ball that Shannon Saunders brings to the fold and her experience in the Silver Ferns has got her over the line. These fitness standards have been a real topic of conversation among netball fans. And obviously, Nolene Toto is going to live and die by them. She certainly hasn't shirked from sticking with them in her squad. Um, do you think that's the right way to go, Tash? Are you, you happy that she's done this and hasn't made any exceptions? We saw that Alia Dunn was, you know, stats-wise, was head and shoulders above a lot of people, but she hasn't come up to the mark and she hasn't made the cut. It's quite... It's- They've got quite a, a gruelling start to the World Cup. So they've got five games in five days and then they get a bit of a break. So that's that's probably the telling point there. Fitness is required for those five games in five days and they're going to have to be able to recover quite quickly as well. So um, her looking at it from that point of view, I think, is, is quite good. And like she said, she doesn't want to come away from this tournament and say, we could have been a bit fitter. Mm. Mm. And ad- she has done that in the past. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's one, never one to not stand by her word. Um, in terms of others that are unlucky to miss out, Ravinda, any that stand out for you? Oh, who are the other unlucky ones? Hang on, I have to have a you quick mentioned, think about... You mentioned Whitney, Whitney Soonis, I think, there is mm. one of the players you had. And, and there was talk about Liana Leota as well, floating around oh, yes. as a bit of a bolter. Yeah, there was a word of Liana Leota, and that's due to, you know, Maria Falao and Laura Langman getting exemptions where... Um, playing overseas so there was a thought that maybe she would be able to get one as well she obviously won the UK Super League title with the Manchester Thunder only last week um, and she really did well and truly lead that team to that championship title but I think Nolene Totoa has done the right thing here in um, keeping it um, with players uh, that are more local with Leanne Leota in the UK, it would probably mean that she wouldn't be able to meet with the team until the Silver Ferns perhaps got over there on that uh, end. So I think the players that she's got now and the combinations, I'm pretty confident in them. No specialist goal shooter in this team. Tash, do you think that's going to be a hindrance at all or do you think that perhaps could be an advantage for the Silver Ferns team? I think it could be an, an, an advantage for them, but we've got so many talented players in there that can play more than one position. So I think that it's it's not an issue at all. Like I think Nolene, um, she selected because of that. She chose, like you look at um, Katrina Rore, she has the ability to play three defensive roles, you know. So there's a lot of other players in there that can play more than one role. Is that perhaps, Ravinda, you think, to do with some physical limitations? We see these big shooters out there for the other teams um, we don't we don't necessarily have that height perhaps across the court. Is this Nolene Toto's one of her ways of combating that, do you think? Yeah, definitely. I think it says a lot about um, Nolene's intention in terms of game plan going into Liverpool. And like you said, we don't have uh, the tallest girls. We've got very tall girls in that team, may I add, but not the tallest in the world. I think it's quite clever of uh, Nolene to have mobile shooters in there. You have to, that means that the opposition defenders are going to be really working for their money and they will have to be on top of their game to keep up and stay connected. Um, And also it's, it's a real look at how much netball has evolved. We've slowly come away from, you know, a goal shooter stands under the hoop and pops in goals and a goalkeeper stands under the hoop to block a goal shooter. You know, you need to be versatile, you need to be mobile and Nolene Todua is just upping world netball's, I think, strategy with, with this lineup. In terms of the tournament itself, I want to get some expectations now. We've got the squad around what this team can achieve. A lot of people saying England and Australia still 
the clear favourite. Tash, what do you think is constitutes success for the Silver Ferns team at this World Cup based on the team you see on paper? Um, I think success for them, I, for me personally, it's, you, you're in it to win it. Um, but for this team here to make the final and then, of course, once they once they get there, it's just how they, how they are on the day. So I think that they have the goods to make the final, but they do have um, a lot to, well, redeem themselves from, from last year. So, yeah. And yeah. so you, you really... Anything better than that is probably a win. Yeah, you almost yeah. get the feeling like if they were closely beaten in a semi-final, that might be a, a good result. Ravinda, do you believe that, or do you believe that with Nolene Todu are there now and this new approach, the focus on fitness, they might be able to perhaps surprise and go further? Yeah, I think at this point anything's possible. And, you know, we've spoken about the fitness, um, but I think the experience will really come into play here. We talk about the pressures of the sign having, you know, bombed out in the Commonwealth Games, but these players, you know, sound heads, um, you know, players that have been there before, it's not only about physical toughness and fitness, it's about the mental toughness as well, and that's what these players can also bring Nolene, that, that extra little bit more. And they have a couple of, like, I think their first game is against um, Malawi and then um, a game against Barbados. So at the beginning stages, it will be important to get that momentum. Um, it'll be important to get those combinations sound. And I'm not writing off Malawi, um, but those will be, you know, a couple of the easier games in terms of the world stage uh, as opposed to, you know, the Englands and South Africa's and Australia. So if they can get their momentum early and get the mental game right, I think they'll be away. Well, 50 days to go, as Tash says, so we eagerly await the start of that tournament. Moving to the Crusaders now, people will be well aware of the incidents that have happened in South Africa over the past couple of weeks with the Crusaders players and allegations that have now been um, put into an independent investigation. Tash, I'll come to you first on this one. The the players in question, George Bridge and Richie Moanga, are both going to play this weekend. What do you make of that decision by the Crusaders? I think it's hard not to play them because it's, like you said, they are they are allegations, but they were also put out on social media. Um, and the thing that I looked at there was the power of social media. So um, these people had posted it up on their own personal pages. People retweeted it. People shared it. Um, and it just went from there. There isn't a... Um, uh, an, an independent investigation that's going down right now and they're struggling to, to get hold of the people who, who made the complaints. So we can't get really a fair investigation unless those two parties come forward. Um, also, you can look at things like culture and and stuff like that that's going on in rugby, especially in the in the Richie Moanga case. Um, is, 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 it an issue? is it still an issue in rugby? Um, I think their positions as professional rugby players, they need to be aware now, or they should already be aware, with social media around. You're always in the public eye, so you've got to be mindful of, of your behaviour when you're out there. Well, everyone's a cameraman or a camerawoman oh, now, aren't they? Yeah. Absolutely, they've got it in their pocket. Um, but when she posted up his reply, a lot of people were saying, well, he must be guilty then if he replied, if he replied to her. But he didn't say exactly what he was apologising for, so it was like he was so intoxicated he didn't actually know. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that needs to be looked at anyway. Like how how is he getting that intoxicated um, when he's away for work? Yeah. I tend to agree around the decision to play them because we've seen in the NRL we've grappled with these issues about mm. whether players should play or or not play. In terms of the, the truth, Ravinda, around this, the Crusaders are obviously refuting 
quite strongly these claims. Do you get any sense about where the actual truth lies here based on what you've seen from the, the allegations and the people that are, that are making these claims and what the Crusaders are saying? Yeah, it's a tricky one, eh, because, you know, it's once again the social media is the judge and jury of the situation, and, and that's what makes it tough. You're, you're not going to know the the truth, as you say, I think until the two parties have come together or, you know, both sides have been investigated fully, and I hope that that is going to be the case. I hope that um, the party affected do come to the floor and, um, um, what would you say, assist with it and anything that they had to say on social media you would hope that they could speak to investigators about as well and I hope that they do realise the severity of those accusations because from what I hear they're having trouble getting in contact with them or, or mm. something of the sort like that. Um, in terms of the players, yeah, I have to agree with Tash there. I mean, to it's one thing to have these allegations put against you and you know, you're hung out to dry and guilty until proven innocent on social media. But at the end of the day, what was he doing intoxicated like that, especially on tour? Um, and who was around him? You know, is it quite normal for players to be out and about, you know, being intoxicated that much on their own? Was he alone? You know, who else could have been there um, to have been a witness to it? Because from what I hear, it sounds like he was a, a lone ranger. Yeah, it's the interesting one. People talk about these players are human and they should be able to go out and celebrate and outside of their own time and do what they want. But I, I have to say, I was personally surprised to hear that he was in that state that he mm. couldn't have remembered. You're talking about yeah. a, you're talking about a, a guy who's you really got the world at his feet when it comes to rugby. We're in a World Cup year. He's mm. guaranteed to be in this All Blacks World Cup squad. I mean, penny for Steve Hansen's thoughts when he when he saw this <laughs> story about Richie Moangatash. I mean, yeah. uh, you can't. You can't say that he would have looked at that in, in any great light. He must be rather concerned that he's going out and, and doing this. I mean, go out, one thing to go out and have dinner and a couple of beers to celebrate a, a game or a good win. But or a to draw. Get it, to get, or a draw. <laughs> but to get in that state where you're, where you're not remembering things, it, it did take yeah. me by surprise to hear that. Yeah, I think it, it is quite concerning because a lot of the rugby franchises have done a lot to. To up, I guess, up their reputation in that area. You know, when it comes to to alcohol and behaviour and stuff like that. You look at the old Mad Mondays now. They don't do it in public. They they keep them private. They keep it to their own facilities and stuff like that. You have you got to put your phones away. So, uh, it is. A, it's quite interesting that he was able to get that intoxicated out in public in a bar, and no one was there to say, "Hey, mate, let's go home now. I'll chuck you in a taxi." You know, like I'm not too sure what was going on there. But, yes, Steve Hansen probably ha does have a couple of questions that he's raised already. He's probably waiting for the dust to settle a little bit before he heads in there. Um, but no doubt both of those those guys will be um, out for, for, to try and have one of their biggest games, I guess, to try and redeem themselves this week. Because it doesn't matter whether it comes out as they are, they are innocent or guilty. This is going to stick with them. Mm. Um, and it's, it's going to stay by their name for a very long time. You talk about these guys having big games. I was talking to someone yesterday about if there's any team that can, I guess, deal with a crisis like this effectively, it's the Crusaders. We know, we know very well about the, the culture and the, the type of environment the Crusaders have down there and how amazing it is. So perhaps if there's any team that can handle it, it's them. Um, just finally to, to wrap this up, we've seen issues like this in the past in the rugby. I mean, the Chiefs yeah. scandal from a couple of years ago is, is well known. Is this issue of player behaviour among our elite rugby players, is it something, Ravinda, that we're still grappling with? Is it somewhere, something that the rugby as a whole still has quite a long way to come with in this country, do you think? Um, 
I, I mean, at the end of the day, they are human and they have their own processes in place. I mean, you went to, out to the Blues and spoke to their assistant coach, right? And he spoke about, you know, what, what processes they do. Maybe it's just not a uniformed um, process, but you, you would think that there were strict policies in place around things like that, especially out on tour. Maybe that needs to be revisited. I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah I, I just don't like at the end of the day, I mean, they're human beings and, you know, you can go out and, and have your drinks and things like that, but it's, it's just, it's a lot of it is just down to the individual. I mean, yeah, it falls on the club's shoulders, it falls on New Zealand rugby's shoulders, but at the end of the day, I mean, these individuals just need to come to the party. And if it, seem, if it seems like they're babying them in terms of policies, put the bloody policies in place if it means that you're going to avoid all this hoo-ha. Rugby in this country is the number one sport, and all eyes are on them when they're travelling around the world, you know, because of the brand. And just more care needs to be taken with it through these individuals. They're not babies. Where do you see the balance of responsibility lying here, Tash? Because Ravinda talks about New Zealand rugby and the franchises and the teams, but there has to become a level of individual responsibility. The, the organisations can't be 24-7 with these players watching their, their every move. Where do you see that? I think these, these players have to understand, especially the two in question, that that they are also a brand their own brand and they've got to try and protect their own brand and also the brand of New Zealand rugby so I don't want to bring it up but you take Israel Folau for instance you know like that's that they were his personal beliefs but he was going against his contract with what he posted and like these guys there they're out there and everything they do they're representing not only their club but also New Zealand rugby and of course themselves and their families so they need to come to a decision Good morning Stuart I've you're on a roll too, Tash. <laughs> I like it. Can that person please get on the plane? Um, <laughs> so they just need to come to a decision how they want to reflect that. Um, and when it comes to responsibility, I, d- I think, well, actually culture really, I think that um, with, the, with the whole homophobic slur and stuff like that, I just think that we need to, as as a, as a group of friends like that are around him, and and whether he's drunk or sober or whatever, um, they have to let him know that that's not cool. You don't say stuff like that. You know, you don't. It's it's not cool. Even like the odd word here and there. Like you don't you don't say those ones. Like it's not cool anymore. It's not 1990. You know, mm. like that word's just not not appropriate. And it's not acceptable. And that's it for this edition of Extra Time. Thanks again to Ravinda and Tash for joining me, and thank you for listening. Remember, you can keep up with all the latest in sport by giving us a follow on Twitter at RNZ Sport, or by following us on the web, rnz.co.nz forward slash sport. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you next week. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.